you to open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, John 14. How many have a Bible? Like a, a Bible, not a phone, but a, a real Bible? Raise it up if you have a real Bible. Look at all the, wait, hold on, keep it up. Now, guys, everyone look at all the real Christians in the room. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. So, uh, there's a lot of people that carry their Bible everywhere, and they don't act like Jesus, so. <clears throat> Come on, somebody. Uh, I'm excited to read some scripture to you this morning. I'm going to read three different scriptures, and then I'm going to preach. Uh, and then we're going to end with Holy Communion, come to the table of the Lord, partake together. And uh, again, I just want to thank our worship team. And I don't know if you know, but the girl that was singing right here, that's my daughter. And so that, lo- that song about the extravagant love of God, I was like, that's my daughter right there. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And so I'm so proud of her. I, I just love uh, watching people um, uh, discover who they are in God. And part of our church, just so you know, like our, like our message is that you would know how significant you are, but then you would also begin to discover the gifts that God's given you. And, and here's the thing is sometimes we think, well, I don't sing or I don't preach. There's so many more gifts than that. And, you know, I, you know one of the most... Belittled gifts is the gift of hospitality. But let me tell you something. When you make a brother some chocolate chip cookies and invite him over, the Holy Ghost is all over that. Come on, somebody. How <laughs> many know there are gifts in, his, in the body? And I want you to know that, that it's, it's such a blessing to me just to see people discover who they are and begin to walk in their destiny, their gifts, their callings, what they're created to do. Um, and, and that doesn't, we've always limited and we think that like I'm called, so I'm going to be a part of the 3% of the entire body of Christ that is on staff at a church. If, if you're called, it doesn't mean you're going to be on staff at a church. It means you're going to be lawyers and doctors and, and you're going to do things in society and you're going, to, you're going to move in sales. You're going to be an entrepreneur. There's so many things at our job, wherever we go, we can release the love of God and the kingdom of God in the earth. And so as you discover his love, you discover that you're valuable and he looks at you that way. And, I, and that's the message of our house. And so when I, I get excited when I see you know, uh, our worship leaders up here just releasing who they are. And I see, uh, you know, people just bettering themselves, their gifts and their, and just going for it, man. That's what we're created to do. How many just can say amen to that right there? And we're created to, to really just release heaven on earth. And, and so I love what God's doing in our church. I really feel like, and I'm going to say this again, that we are on, uh, on the brink of something really great for our community, um, and it's not just church growth, but it's an awakening to the Father's love. And it's also uh, a movement of the Holy Spirit that is going to affect other churches. And God's moving across this valley. God's moving in churches all over the place. The Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell in certain churches. He's everywhere. His tangible manifest presence might not be welcomed or experienced or, you know, but it doesn't mean that he's not there. And so God's moving in the body of Christ. But I really, let me just say this, okay? Maybe it's your first time, second time. Maybe you've been here for a year. I'm telling you. And those of you that have been here for years, can you feel it burning? Like something is about ready to break out. And we are going to see a huge harvest of souls. So you better get ready because God might call you to make disciples. Well, he is calling you, but... He's looking for people um, 
to, uh, to shepherd and to love the, the broken, the hurting, and the lost. And, and all the lost out there, they belong somewhere. And we want to be the refuge that they can come into and they can experience God's love. And I'm so thankful when we have people come and they feel connected to our church. And, um, and sometimes it's, it's different for them because, you know, like some people don't feel comfortable in churches that don't bow to the American flag. Selah. Some people don't feel comfortable in churches that, that don't have a nationalistic thinking. Here's what I mean by that. I honor our nation, but I bow to Jesus, not a flag. Sometimes we get, I'm glad we got an anointed section right over here. Come on. Some, sometimes we get confused with honor and worship. And we've got sacred cows in American evangelicalism. One of them is nationalism. And I'm not opposed to having prayer rallies for the nation. I'm not opposed to that stuff at all. I'm not, not at all. I mean, come on, that's what we need. But when we mix the kingdom of God and the empire, we're going to find ourselves getting into some trouble. Theologically, Jesus did not come to start a political party. He came to start a love revolution. And I love that our church is very eclectic politically. And we can have conversations at a table in the spirit of grace where we can have different views. And it's okay. It was happening last week. And I was loving it, man. And we're, we're at our house. And my wife, she loves politics. And we're talking. And, and it was like, we're family. And if you bow to the lordship of Jesus, you won't be divided if you're united under his lordship, you can't be divided under the reign of an empire or a nation. We're Christians first. We're citizens of heaven first, then citizens of our nation. I love, I mean, I, we're in an amazing country, guys. Come on. Like, I love America. I'm, I, and I pray for a president. I pray for I any president. It doesn't matter whether they're a part of the party I might lean towards or not. But I just want to say, I didn't plan on saying any of this, but I want to say, some people don't feel comfortable in churches that don't bow to the flag. And, and if that's you, bless you. And may your thinking be challenged in the area of this nationalistic way that we have as American evangelical Christians. I don't think it's healthy and we need to be careful not to mix the empire and the kingdom. We're kingdom people first. And when we embrace that, we can really see lives change because you can't force people to be Christians. Uh, Jesus doesn't do that. And so, like, if he did, then we would have never been in the mess that we're in now with Adam and Eve. If he enforced it, don't eat the tree, and then they're about to. And he's like, hold on. Remember, guys? He didn't coerce. He doesn't coerce. And so the way sometimes we think is like we have to change all our laws and we have to do this. Yeah, that's like good laws are important because there's lawless people out there. But what changes the world starts with the revolution of the heart. Not legislation. Well, 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 I said it. Now, do I believe that Jesus can use political figures? Absolutely but not to coerce 
but to release love and kingdom leaven in places where there wouldn't be. And so, um, man, if we get this stuff, guys, but as a church, I, I said all that to say this. If you feel like you're starting to connect with our hearts, and, and some people don't. Some people are like, man, you know, they don't do anything for veterans there. We don't, we, I honor our veterans, but we just, that's not who we are. We don't, are you guys understanding what I'm saying right now? Like, you know, when, when, when there's a, uh, somebody running an office, we don't, we don't like make it a big deal and, you know, kind of like use our pulpit to promote a political party. We don't do that. I don't think it's healthy. And if you are going to do it, make sure you talk about everybody and not just one party. I, I should be hearing way more amens. Y'all need to wake up, get saved or something, man. But uh, I, I'm really thankful um, that we're a part of a church that's okay to rethink things that aren't bearing fruit. And if it's not bearing fruit, lay the ax to the root. Like, why do we hold on to some of these sacred cows so much? They're literal idols. And God wants our hearts. And we give our hearts to nationalism. We give our hearts to all these things. I mean, there's a lot of idols that, that we like to look away from and, and point at other people's idols, but we've got our own. And so as a church, I hope that, you know, maybe, uh, I hope my wife's watching. She's probably digging this stuff. She likes when we, uh, I don't know, sometimes I look at her face on the front row and I'm like, wait, should I not have said that? <laughs> but she's watching online, honey, I can't see your face. So, oh, well, I already went there. And, I, and I'm open, hear me, I'm open to conversation about this stuff. Like, I think that there, I think there really is a healthy way to release the kingdom. Some people are extremely radical on one side or the other. And I'm not talking about political parties, but I'm talking about kingdom advancement in society, in cultures where we don't get involved in politics and we don't do any of that. And we don't do, you know, and then you have people that are like just, you know, overstepping their bounds in that arena and, and they give Christianity uh, kind of a bad name. And so we don't want that. We want the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is the reign of his love. Isaiah 16, 5, in the, in the message, it says, the venerable, in the venerable Davidic tradition, that, that a kingdom of love will be established. How many know he's talking about the Messiah? Jesus is a love revolutionary. It starts one heart at a time. And that's just the way God works. And, uh, and I'm glad because, you know, there wouldn't be relationship without free will. And there wouldn't be love without that ability to say no. That's why we're kind of in a, in a mess right now in, uh, in the first place. So it's good to understand that. It's good to know that. Are you all feeling me this morning? Yeah. All right. So I, I want to share, uh, I want to talk to you about how we see God just a little bit, and then I'm, we're going to partake of communion. That was not my introduction. I'm going to include that as part of my message, even though it wasn't my message. So I actually started my preacher clock about eight minutes ago. So don't get worried that I had just now started preaching, but I've already been preaching. Um, John 14, let me just read you a few verses. Father, thank you that we're a house of presence. Thank you, Lord, um, for your amazing manifest love and presence in this community. We don't take it lightly that you kiss our gatherings with your presence, God. Would you lift your hands and just with me and say, Lord, thank you for your presence. 
And so we say yes to you right now. Holy Spirit, we say yes. We say yes. We thank you for what you're doing in the church. Lord, as we dive into the scripture, I pray for life and I pray for the spirit of the word to cause life and revelation to come into our hearts and our minds that would bring transformation. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Would you just shout amen and give God some praise? Come on. So in John 14, I'm going to read you just a few verses here. I'm going to start at verse 8. Right after Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And I want to talk about this, that we have this conversation going on with uh, Thomas and Philip. And they're like, Lord, show us the way. And then Philip's like, show us the Father. And, and I love Jesus' response. And I want to talk about three things. And we're just going to go through this and talk a little bit about it. I want to talk about seeing the Father. Everybody just say that out loud. Say, see the Father. Father. I want to talk about hearing the Father's voice. voice. And then knowing the Father's love. love. Here's Jesus' response after Philip in verse 8 says, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Can I just, let me just, right now, let's settle the issue. When you look at Jesus, you see what God looks like. Our image of God, if it doesn't look like Jesus, then we should discard it. If our image of God, Jesus is, Hebrews 1.3, the expressed exact representation of his being, the image of God. Colossians 1.15, these are verses you should memorize, you should read, you should soak in, you should study in context. But I'm telling you, this revelation is so profound. And I'm telling you, as a church, as a culture, we will stand on that God made himself incarnate. God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And the old covenant was the shadow, Colossians 2 says, but Jesus is the reality. Jesus is the substance. Let me say it again. The old covenant was the shadow, not the Old Testament. The old covenant was the shadow, the new Uh, that Jesus brought, Jesus himself, the eternal word, is the reality. In other words, the shadow, the Old Testament, we read, it's useful because it's the inspired word of God, the Old and New Testament. We don't discard the Old Testament, but sometimes we look at the Old Testament, we're like, man, that God was in a bad mood. Like, we're like, dang, man, they, they just did something wrong and he wiped them all out. What in the world? What we have to understand is, We cannot read the Bible like a flat book as if it's equal in authority as an equal plane. We have to read it as a progressive revelation of God, like climbing steps, like going to kindergarten, elementary school, junior high, high school, college. Come on, somebody. And then you realize, what did I even learn? And I don't even know what I want to do in life. Oh, that's a whole nother story. Sorry. We have to understand the progressive revelation of God in the Old Testament. It's like climbing a mountain, and then you get to the top of the mountain, and guess who's there? Jesus. The Bible says the Old Covenant was a shadow, but Jesus is the reality. In other words, and it even says this, Paul says uh, the Old Covenant of Moses, the Mosaic Covenant, put a veil over the face of God. In other words, if I just read a few verses here and there in the Old Testament, and I try to frame an image of God, It's a veiled image of God. 
But in the person of Jesus, Paul says, the veil has been taken away. And now we know what God looks like. So do we discard portions of, no, we study it through the lens of who Jesus is. We got to put our Jesus glasses on. Come on, somebody. And we got to read the Bible with the light on, not in the shadows, in the dark. We got to read our Bibles and say, oh, this is pointing. When we read the Old Testament, sometimes we see ourselves, don't we? Our tendency for violence, our tendency to, for, to retribute, our tendency. And then and we see portions and glimpses of the Messiah. We see portions where it talks about his loving kindness. But when we look at the New Testament, we look at the, the person of Jesus, God incarnate, we see, wow, this is just like, this is the revelation of who God is. And Jesus says here, they're like, show us the Father. And he says, dude, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why do so many Christians read the same Bible and paint so many different pictures of God when the historical Orthodox Church, what we knew as right belief and understanding, from the very beginning, 2,000 years, we've said Jesus is the exact representation of who God is. Why? Because we like to make God in our own image. It works out better for us because then, you know, if someone hurts us, we can just unleash the wrath of God on them. Lord, I just pray that you'd bless them. And you, wanna, you know what I mean by that, Lord. Mm-mm-mm. Touch not thy anointed. Oh, my God. They messed up big time. Mm-mm-mm. I got favor on me. You, you slandered God's anointed? Read what happened when they did that to David. mm That was under a different covenant, y'all. It's totally different now. Now, like Jesus, Jesus shows up. I'm probably not even going to get to the other scriptures, guys. Sorry. Jesus, he's walking. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. Like Chris mentioned last service, he's doing things. It's ticking the Pharisees off. Modern day, that time, first century Bible answer man, right? John 5, Jesus like, hey, you search the scriptures diligently thinking you're going to find life, but you don't realize they're pointing to me. You search the word of God, lowercase w, not realizing it points to me, the eternal word of God, uppercase w. Types and shadows, the shadow, the reality. The shadow is not vivid color. It's two dimensional. It doesn't accurately portray the image of something. How many know that? Like it can look like a big monster and it's just a little four-year-old playing, (laughs) you know, but Jesus is the reality, three-dimensional, colorful expression of what God looks like. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead in the old covenant. If you, uh, if you took a lamb, a sacrificed lamb, and you bring it to the altar and it touched something unclean, the lamb was unclean. You had to start over. Like if, if it touched a leper, lepers were unclean. Oh, there goes the lamb. We got to go get another one, bring a pure sacrifice. How many know it was different because when the lamb of God touched lepers, he cleansed them. The script was flipped. Now there's this healing love. Jesus is walking around, opening blind eyes, changing things like, oh yeah, I know, I know it's written in the law. I, I know it's written in the scriptures, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. It's useful, but not all applicable. Hello. But Jesus says, but I tell you, Jesus trumped what Joshua said. Wow. 
We got to read our Bibles with the light on, don't we? We might start acting like Christians because we're following Jesus. We might start. And he, what does he say? I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Don't pray. Oh, he touched God's anointed. He's going down. Come on, you know you've done it once or twice. I used to do it, man. We like messages that accommodate to our victim mentality because someone hurt us and we want them to pay. Well, so-and-so did this and that, and, and like that just means I'm going to be promoted in God. Hallelujah. And we're literally still holding on to unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment, and offense against somebody else. Wow. That's a Baptist speaking in tongues. Wow. They don't know how to express it. So Jesus shows up and he's like, I know, you, I know it says that, but I'm telling you this. It's a new covenant, a new and better covenant. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13 says the old covenant is fading away, written right before 70 AD, but, and soon it will be obsolete. How many know we don't live under the old covenant? Well, it's all one covenant. No, it's not. The old one is gone. Thank God. Because you remember Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant and fell over dead? I'm sure we've done that kind of thing once or twice, right? <laughs> like just made a wrong move in the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine we're here worshiping and you dance wrong? <clears throat> you fall over and die. Don't touch the Ark. The worship leader's playing, plays the wrong chord, <clears throat> and just falls over dead. <laughs> Come on, we're in a new and better covenant. Jesus came to give us grace. Jesus came to give it. The covenant that was made in the new covenant is not between you and God alone. It's between the Father and the Son. And now you're in Christ and you participate in this life in grace. You can't mess it up unless you don't receive his love. Now all you got to do is receive his love. Let him transform you. Let him love the junk out of you. And just let him do what he does best, which is heal you and set you free. A new and better covenant. Jesus came to reveal to us. He's like, Philip, are you for real, bro? Thomas, Mr. Analytical, you know, show us the way. I need a map that's going to show me every step of the way. See, I'm the type of guy, when we're driving and we're looking at, like, navigation, I have to zoom out and I have to see 100 miles ahead. And if there's traffic, oh, you bet we're going to divert. That's just how I think. Some people are looking, and they're like, you know how it shows the, the little blue dot? Turn right now, right there. Turn. Someone did that one time. I'm like, for <laughs> okay, I'm watching it. Turn now. Oh, you missed it. So Thomas is like the analytical guy. I want to know the way. I want the road map, Jesus. Philip, he's more like the praise God. He's artistic. He's probably a worship leader. I don't know. No, I'm just, he's, he's like, show us the father and that'll be enough. Like we want to see God. I want to see. And he's like, seriously, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, the revelation of God we have in Jesus Christ will be unfolding to us our entire lives. And when we get to see him face to face, I guarantee you, we have just begun in all of eternity to discover the depths of the Father's love. And he'll reveal himself to us just a little bit more. 
And we'll fall on our faces for another 10,000 years and sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What does holy mean? It means, oh, you're so beautiful. You're indescribable. There's none like you, the beauty of your holiness. See, holiness is not just the transcendence, justice of God, the holy other, W-H-O-L-L-Y. Wow, I spelled that right. Praise God. I'm not a good speller, man. And it doesn't have anything to do with your intelligence. (laughs) At least someone told me that. I don't know if they were smart though. So the holiness of God is about the beauty of who he is. In Isaiah six, when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, the, the, the angels were crying, holy, holy, holy. In the Hebrew, there's a Hebrew poetic, like it's like an exponential increase of holiness. Here's what it's like. The angels are saying, holy to the power of holy, to the power of holy. He's just, I mean, the first holy is enough. He's holy, the splendor of God. But it's the beauty of God. And we are still discovering what he looks like. Jesus is making him known to us by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reminds us that we're children of God, Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit, we read Paul in Ephesians 2, that we're seated within in heavenly places. And that doesn't just mean we're charismatics with a lot of authority and we have a different heavenly perspective and we can bind principalities. I believe that we have authority in the kingdom of God. Come on. But seated with him in heavenly places means I'm seated with Jesus. And Jesus, according to John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, God, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God, the word with is Pros, it means face to face, turn towards. So I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm not just seated up there with him. In heaven right now, mystically, as you're sitting in this chair, you're also sitting face to face with the Father. And the Holy Spirit reminds us who we are. And the Holy Spirit is that love between the Father and the Son, like we talked about last week. In the early church, that's how they described the person of the Holy Spirit. Jurgen Moltmann said this, that the eternal light, uh, the Holy Spirit is the eternal light light in which the father sees the son and the son sees the father. We need the Holy Spirit to light up our relationships so we can truly see and know one another. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us, it's not just to do a little shabarabakoko prophesy. It's also to be empowered to know that we're seated with him in heavenly places and we can discover his love and see his face. And Jesus in that is still making the father known to us so that his love, the father's love will abide within us so we can give it away to broken humanity. Come on and say amen. I feel like I'm done. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna... I'm going to pray, and we're going to partake of Holy Communion. You know, my heart, honestly, more than anything, guys, every person in this room, you might think we're a little cray-cray because we're maybe not used to charismatic, or you might think we're not charismatic enough. I don't know if you're new, you know, but I just want you to know, like, my heart, as we study the Scripture, as we follow Jesus as Christians, as we learn why we believe what we believe, like, in our school, School of uh, Theology and Supernatural Living, we do six in-depth uh, lectures or, or teachings on church history. And we don't just teach from the Reformation to now. We go back to the patristic, the church fathers and all that. How many think it's important to know why we believe what we believe? See, sometimes in our 
understanding, like trying to understand who God is, we don't realize we have all these, all these glasses, these lenses on, multiple layers. Now, if, if you went around the room and grabbed five different glasses from people that wear glasses and you put them all on, how do you think images are going to look to you? Like the blind guy that Jesus put mud. I see trees, but it's people. The same thing with how we see God. We just can't quite make out who God is. How, how could God be a father when I don't even know what it's like to have a father? I mean, there's some people, not me, but there, you know that there's people that grow up without hearing a father to a son saying, son, I'm so proud of you. There's, there's daughters that never hear, oh, you're my little princess. I call Layla, my four-year-old. She's my moon sparkle. I don't even know how we just, I have like 20 names for her. She's my special treasure. And it, as a daughter of God, you're in this place, I'm telling you, the Father has infinity names for you. He could just go on and on and on because he dreamed of a daughter just like you. And sons, he dreamed of a son just like you, Antone. So gifted, so anointed, treasures, wisdom. Somebody who's created to bring healing to toxic cultures with authority and grace, with a song that transforms atmospheres. He looks at you, sons and daughters. He's like, I love you. Do you have any clue how much I love you? And so the Father's love becomes real when we allow him to remove the lenses that we've inherited. And we know why we believe what we believe. And now we can put our Jesus glasses on and when we read the scripture, we're like, wow, everything's different now. It's a progressive revelation. And then I'm seeing who you are. I like, I, and maybe you're somebody who didn't have a parental figure that loved you there all the time, but I'm telling you, you, you can experience what a father's love really is and a father's affection really is. As a young minister, I didn't have spiritual fathers. I grew up with an amazing dad. He's sitting on the front row, amazing dad. My dad is the type of dad that my friends that didn't have father figures, it was because of his love as a father, they would automatically look to him as a father. It's just the way it works because he had a big heart of love. He has a big heart of love, a capacity to love. But as a, as a young minister, I had no spiritual fathers. I had a long distance relationship with my pastor that I saw five times a week and I served my heart out in service. I had no idea who he was. Is it right if I say that? And I was serving, I was in leadership. I didn't even know him. I, sat, I remember sitting at a table one time with him, one time in nine years, eight years. We need to learn what relationship is in the church again, guys. We need to sit at a table. And I remember not having spiritual fathers and people were intimidated by my anointing. You know what that's like, Antone. Emerging leaders, great grace on them. Pastor's like, whoa, man. People were falling on the ground. We don't want him laying hands on anybody anymore. Even though that's what they wish they had. Hello? or whatever. Leaders were intimidated by, and I was a little mavericky. I need some healing, man. I, I still had orphan wounds. I'm still discovering this. And then a guy came in my life by the name of Larry Titus. And he adopted me as his spiritual son and his love and affirmation altered, altered my destiny. 
And now that love that the Father poured through him is inside of me. And I've got to, I've got to tell all of you in this room that you are so loved by the Father. It will heal Christianity from the maladies and the disease of toxic religion, these images of God that we've created that's just archaic, pagan, and Greek philosophy. And it's about time for the church to rise up and say, I am letting go of the sacred cows. Do you want to be a part of a movement? I'm telling you, if you're looking for a church, you found one. If you want to be a part of a movement that's literally going to shape history, come on. We're not afraid to say, well, yeah, I know. I know, I know that it says that, but what's the context of the scripture? Hello? A context without a text is a con. We talked about it last week when we read the whole letter from Paul to Philemon. We took one little verse and realized that's not what he's talking about. Go listen to the message later. But I just pray right now, would you just close your eyes? I want to pray for you. If you're watching online, I just release waves. Waves of the Father's love. Somebody came into my life that saw who I was, that saw value in me. And I pray that you know that you're not invisible, that you're seen, that you're gifted, you're anointed. There's things that God wants you to do in church communities, in, in, in your city, in the nations. So I pray right now, I want to ask you if you're near somebody, somebody came with, would you just join hands with someone or would you put your hand on their shoulder? And would you just pray this with me? Say, Father, would you touch my brother or sister right now? Would you touch them with your great love? And would you knock down the idols? Would you, I want to see the Father for who he really is, seated with Jesus. How does Jesus see the Father? I want to see the Abba of Jesus, not the man-made religion, one that I've created. I want to see the God of the scriptures, that Jesus came. Jesus came to reveal and help us understand who God really is. You know, in in the Lord's Prayer, where it says, hallowed be thy name. Do you know what it means in the original language? And you can see this in actually really good scholarly translations. It means basically like, get rid of the confusion about who you really are. Reveal who you really are. When a rabbi would pray, it always revealed their theology. First thing Jesus says, you don't see it anywhere in the Old Testament, one individual calling God Father. Father! Abba, his mother tongue was Aramaic. Abba, reveal who you really are. It always starts with Abba. I want you to say this with me. I know, listen, Jesus said over, you see it over 250 times in the Bible, God addresses Father. Some people are uncomfortable calling God Papa or Daddy God, or they're just like, oh, that's just weird. It's irreverent. No, Abba is a, it's like saying Papa it's a term of endearment and a term of reverence. It's, it's this term given to somebody uh, that, that's an elder in a community, something like a papa, like a grandpa or a father, a strong father. And you come up and you say, Abba, Papa. And it's, there's reverence, but there's also endearment where you could run and sit 
in an Abba's lap, in a Papa's lap, and, and he'll love you and, and he'll speak life to you. That's the Father. Jesus came, are you hearing me, to reveal that love to you. That you actually have been invited to sit in the Father's lap. And maybe your Christianity that you've tasted doesn't give you that impression, but I hope that you get it now when you look at Jesus because when you see Jesus, you see the Father. Amen? So right now, one more time, just, just I want to ask you, would you just pray for the person next to you, either gently squeeze their hand or, or put your hand up and say, Father, would you just touch them with your love? A greater revelation of the Father's love right now. Greater. The appeal of love. God is stretching his hand out saying, would you just walk with me? Can I show you who I am? Can I just remove these idols and these toxic images? They're not, they're, it's not the God of the scriptures. It's not the God revealed in the person of Jesus. It's time that we're okay questioning things so that we can see the revelation of who God really is and watch it captivate our hearts in a way where we'll live totally differently, where we'll love totally differently and we will evangelize from a place of love not trying to get another notch on our belt. So Father, I pray right now, would you close your eyes in this room, would you? And I pray right now that every son and daughter would hear your voice, that they are your beloved and you delight in them. The same voice that resounded from heaven when Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan and the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove. Matthew chapter 3 and Luke chapter 3. Listen, the Father says it over you. You are his son and daughter and he delights in you. He delights in you. And if you've never experienced the Father's love, I want to invite you right now. We want to pray for you. I want to invite you to just come right now. I'm opening the altars. Anyone in this room says, I just want more of the Father's love. If you're feeling God pouring in healing love, I'm not asking if you're saved or not. I'm saying, do you want to open your heart to more of the Father's love? If you're, if you're in this room, I want you to just come on down. And I want our prayer team to come, please, too. As anyone in this room needs prayer before we dismiss, thank you, Lord. Before we partake of communion, oh, I keep forgetting. Come on down, sis. Just, would you lift your hands like this? And yeah. Father, right now, I just release the Father's love. I just release the Father's love. Anyone else? Come. Just come on down. There's probably like 27 more people that are just, should I go? I don't know. I'm, I've been saved 38 years. It's okay. Just come and just drink in his love. Yeah. Lay hands on these prayer team and just begin to release the Father's love. He's breaking chains. He's lifting burdens. Come on. Addiction is being broken right now. Anyone else just come up here? Come and drink. Come and, and partake of his love. He's so good. He's so amazing. Come and surrender your heart to Jesus and say, Lord, I want to know your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray.